Time for your Miami preview. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to be in Miami right now? I don't know what the temperature <laughs> is by you, Tim, but there is snow on the ground by me. It's always nice to get away, get to the beaches, and that's exactly what Syracuse is doing this week. We will break down all things Orange and Hurricanes, get you your prop shop, get you some picks with the game and all that fun stuff coming up next. You are locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is the Locked on Syracuse podcast. I'm Tyler Aki with Tim Leonard. We're with you every single weekday here on the program. Only place to get daily Syracuse podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to NetSuite.com slash Locked on NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. We thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to us there. Subscribe to us, Apple, Spotify. Drop a review, all that stuff. Drop a rating. We'd love to hear from you on the program. Comment on the YouTube videos as well. All right, Tim, big one against Miami. This is a Miami team that, you look at everything, it's like, whoa, they're 3-0 in the ACC. Yeah, Must be <laughs> look nice. out. <laughs> yeah, so Syracuse 1-1 right. and right now, and they're looking to pick up a win on the road against a Miami team that it's almost a little Spider-Man meme-ish, maybe even like on steroids a little bit. You've got a Miami team that can shoot and provide plenty of offense. They're 25th in the country in Ken Palm in offensive efficiency. But on the flip side of the coin, they're actually worse than Syracuse at defense, which I don't know how many uh, teams to we're going to see, especially <laughs> once you get into conference play, how many teams we were going to see that were actually worse than Syracuse at defense. But alas, here we are, and we have found the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, this is probably the only legit team, right? No disrespect out there to the Boston College fans that might be listening or the <laughs> Pittsburgh fans. But the, out of the group of teams that are in that middle tier, Miami and Syracuse are pretty similar makeup. You're right, because Syracuse is 19 on offense right now. They're 188 in defense. Miami 202 on Ken Palm's defensive efficiency ranking. That's not good, but... Pretty similar teams. They rely on guards a lot. Miami's got some talent on this team, I would say. And they recruit pretty well, even though they've been down in the dumps for their standards and really for anyone's standards the past two, three years. A lot of that, keep in mind, has been they have been devoured by the injury bug, not just bitten by yeah. the injury bug. Mm -hmm. They've been yeah. literally devoured by it. And it's, I think, partially in their training staff and they've sort of reevaluated things there and, and acquired some new trainers. But now this team is healthy and a healthy Miami team has always been pretty good under Jim Laranega. It's just been a while. Yeah. Speaking of health, one of the big names that they're likely getting back in this game is Sam Wardenberg. He's coming out of COVID-19 protocols and just to further the, the similarities between the two teams, neither one's going to play a lot of guys either. Miami likes to stick to a tight ship seven, maybe eight guys, but that eighth guy really not usually going to play more than five to seven minutes off the bench for the Hurricanes. And right now, this is a Miami team that can shoot the basketball. They're pretty good from distance. They're pretty good really all around. Um, they take a lot of shots as well, so th they can play with a little pace on you too. So that's something that I would like to see a little bit of transition game back and forth. This is going to be a very up-tempo game, I think, and now the zone may dictate a little bit of policy on one end, but for the most part, Syracuse should be able to do what they want in terms of getting up and down the floor. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the tempo because I'm curious to see that because looking into Miami more and you see the numbers they're putting up, they have won seven straight games here and they put up 90 plus against NC State and Wake Forest in their last two ACC wins, but they actually don't really go in transition a ton, digging into kind of their hoop math metrics on how they score. They just do it by not turning the basketball over and making smart decisions. They're 11th in Ken Palm's turnover rate on offense. That's in the entire nation. So really good rate there. So I wonder in terms of a tempo, is Syracuse and Miami going to go up and down the court and score a lot like we saw kind of in the second half of Indiana? Or is it going to just be two good offenses sort of taking their time? getting into their flow of things on offense and scoring a lot and doing it efficiently because they are two bad defenses. I think the tempo is going to be interesting. I would like to see Syracuse play more up-tempo looking at their hoop math stuff. They're 82nd right now in the country and percentage of shots coming from transition and they're 97th in efficiency in the country in transition. So that kind of tells me why not go in transition more, I feel like. Right, and, and I think you've got the Gunners to do it, too. That's one thing that we've always sort of talked about here is even though maybe you don't have the athletes from one end, I think some of their traits really translate when you've got two centers that can run rim to rim. You've got Joe Girard, whose outlet passes are actually pretty good. I've really enjoyed watching him sort of get things going in transition. You've got some complimentary pieces off the bench that can push for you as well. So I think there's certainly some things there. A couple of things to note. Uh, on the Miami side, um, Isaiah Wong back. He's certainly one of the key pieces to watch in this game. They've just got a couple of guys that you've heard of, really. Yeah. Like when you think they're about talented, it. talented, like, right? Like they're yeah, probably more I mean, talented than Cuse, honestly. Yeah. You're probably right there. I mean, Charlie Moore, he's in like year 12 of, of college basketball. Fourth feels like I think, for him. Yeah. Can you name school. all his schools? It's, right, it's absurd. I know because he started, he's a Chicago guy. So I know his yeah. path well. He started at Cal, was there for a year. Yep. Then he went to. Kansas, then DePaul, yes. and now Miami. Wow. He's good, been all over the place. Job. Yeah. He, he's hit every coast. He's hit every landmark, it feels like, in the entire country. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a little Charlie Moore history for everyone. But see, okay, <laughs> this is a thing about Charlie Moore, though. Small guy, kind of like Joe Girard on the other side, smaller guy. This should be a matchup that Girard should have a little bit of success with because Charlie Moore is not going to overwhelm you. Kind of like what we saw with Kihei Clark. Even though Kihei Clark's a smaller guy, Kihei Clark played with a little more viciousness to his game than a Charlie Moore did. Now, I'm not saying Charlie Moore is not a tough player, but I think this is a matchup that should help Joe Girard out a little bit. Yeah, Charlie Moore does kind of remind me of Chris Likes, who they lost, yeah. and now he's mm -hmm. at Arkansas, a little bit bigger than Chris Likes, but not saying a ton there. Chris Likes is a good player, though, and that's a guy that's doing pretty well at Arkansas, it seems like. They have talent. I do think it's a good matchup for Syracuse when we say that it's it's a good thing for Syracuse when we say it's a Spider-Man meme type of thing. We talked about how recently on a podcast that there's all this talk about Joe Girard doing really well in practice, Cole Swider doing really well in practice. And a big thing with us has been, all right, Joe and Cole, if you're going to be key parts of this team, it's got to translate to tight defense. That's not the test they're getting here. It is a road game against a hot team in the ACC, so I'm not saying we should overlook Miami, but just from a matchup perspective, I do think Syracuse is kind of at a good spot here where Joe Girard is well-equipped, I think, to bring in a bounce-back effort. Yeah, it's almost going to feel like an intra-squad scrimmage, and I think that really helps <laughs> out a team like Syracuse. But you're right. This is a hot Miami team right now. They've won seven in a row. Four of those have come against power conference teams, three of which – 
are in the ACC. So that's certainly something that you cannot ignore right now with this Miami team. Now they've played a, a fair share of some close games as well, and maybe some games that shouldn't have been as close as they were. But again, you got to give credit where credit's due. This is a Miami team that was projected to finish maybe middle or bottom of a weak ACC. And here we are, and they're 3-0 and in the conference. Listen, we've talked about Syracuse has had opportunities to bolster their record and get together a nice little conference record. But so far, they haven't necessarily taken advantage of those opportunities. On the other side, Miami has. I mean, your losses are to Alabama, UCF, who's a pretty good team, and that game was yeah. only a six-point loss, and then Dayton. All right, so you allow for one clunker, and even in that game, that's more of a matchup between two pretty even teams when you look at it and sort of break down the numbers, Dayton and Miami. So when you look at it, yeah, I, I think this Miami team – has certainly overachieved so far, but you almost wonder, okay, is this is this where is is it smoke and mirrors to a certain point? Like, can they really go four and zero in the ACC? Yeah, that's one thing that's been bugging me is it feels like Miami's not going to get to four and zero, but it's a different ACC this year. And then when I did look at their roster, I think they've got a lot of talent. I mean, even in this last yeah. recruiting class, they brought in a couple fringe and a couple top one hundred guys, and they're not really playing them which is that happens all across the country. It's a friendly reminder to anyone that's worried too much about Benny Williams. And we've probably been guilty about that a little bit on this podcast, but Miami's a quad two opportunity here on the road. Their net rankings, 95 Syracuse is one eleven in the net right now. So I think this is a good chance to pick up a win that you probably need. If you want to make a run at the NCAA tournament in any fashion, and the other thing that makes them even more Spider-Man meme and is probably even a good thing for Syracuse too is they don't really have any bigs that scare you and they don't rebound the basketball that right. well. So really, they, they Miami, have size, but it's it's weak size. Yeah, like Wardenberg's back. He's, I think, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, six, but he's yeah. a shooter, right? He's not mm -hmm. going to back you down, and right. I guess that mm -hmm. doesn't happen against the zone anyway, but it's not like they rely too much on their front court scoring or front court rebounding to get points. So... I do think Syracuse has a good matchup here. And I don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a fun game to watch is probably what I'd say. It's probably going to be high scoring. Yeah. By the way, for those of you who aren't primed in on meme culture here, Spider-Man meme is this picture of two, <laughs> right. two Spider-Mans just pointing that. at each other. It's like you, you see one and then it's like you're looking at the same person. So for those who, who aren't too uh, well, well indoctrinated into meme culture there, I figured I, I would explain it for the audience that – maybe is, is confused right now of what we're saying when we say that. But um, yeah. one other thing before we get into prop shop and all that stuff. Actually, you know what? We'll save it. We'll save it. I okay. want to get into the Buddy Bayheim versus what is likely going to be Isaiah Wong matchup because mm -hmm. that's a really interesting one for me in this game. So we will do that in just a second. But first, need to tell you about what you can do to help your health in the new year. It is the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure Built Bar is a part of that plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And you know what? It might be even better than a candy bar. Built Bar is making it super easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. And by week three, you're thinking, this isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, guess what? Good. Lucky for you, Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and the best part of it all, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories and 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs. 
So even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least enjoy something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious built bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And they've got a number of flavors to choose from, whether it's coconut almond, our personal favorite, the peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, all those good stuff. And there's so many more as well. In fact, built bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors as well. So check out their website, built.com often to see what's new and go to built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Also want to tell you guys about an incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about it's get upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. And there's no catch here. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE at GetUpside. All right, let's get into this matchup between Buddy Beheim and Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong, one of the stingiest defenders in the conference. He's long. He's got great athleticism as well. And he's going to, in all likelihood, be matched up on Buddy Beheim just because of the way that things work out sort of height-wise. It makes sense that you stick Wong on someone like Buddy. And this is a, an intriguing matchup to me because I look at Isaiah Wong, a guy who's been injured off and on throughout his career, so people maybe don't know as much about him as they probably should, but very talented player, someone who might be able to give Buddy fits. I think this is a really good test for Buddy Beheim because if he can go out there and, and get some buckets against Wong, I'll be thoroughly impressed. Yeah, I also wonder that if that is the matchup, and I think it's either him or Cameron McGusty, right? But I think I'm with you. They'll probably put Wong on him, and McGusty's the guy we haven't mentioned yet. He is leading them in scoring right now, 18.3 points per game. He's also mm-hmm. been in college for what feels like 12 years. He started at Oklahoma, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But the other part that's interesting then is, all right, that's two of the best scorers in the conference, but if you're Wong and you're guarding Buddy, that's a – a lot of energy you're expending on yeah. that side of the court. So all of a sudden, how does that impact him when he's going back down the other end and playing against the zone? And that's why we see Syracuse be up there in minutes per game. Partially it's mostly because Jim Beheim's philosophy, but he does that because Syracuse plays in a two, three zone. All the guys at the end of the year that you see leading in the minutes per game column in the NCAA, most of them play predominantly two, three zone and two, three zone defense just, allows you to conserve energy a little bit more, typically speaking. So I want to see this 2-3 zone maybe give out a little bit more energy at the top and a little bit more urgency on the closeouts, but that is an intriguing matchup. Whoever wins that matchup is going to have a huge upper hand in terms of getting their team to victory. Yeah, and by the way, Isaiah Wong coming off one of his best games of the season, 25 points against Wake Forest the other day. You know, something interesting that kind of caught my attention as I was looking through this, and something that actually may hurt the orange here. It is the fact that when you look at this team and their their projected starting five, all right. So let me lay it out for you: Charlie Moore, Isaiah Wong, Cam Augusti, 
Jordan Miller, and then in all likelihood, you'll see Sam Wardenberg back in this game. And if that's the case, you'd imagine he would be their starter at center. And I kind of listed everyone there by position slash height order, but it's actually the inverse in terms of three-point shooting prowess. Like, the taller you get, the better you are at shooting threes on this team. Whereas traditionally, the shorter you are, sort of the better you are at shooting threes, or at least like the guards are all going to be sort of comparable because three-point shooting is, is sort of a guard's art, right? And when I think about the zone, that can pose a lot of issues because you're talking about guys that are probably going to be on the wings that are their best three-point shooters. And we have seen how troublesome that wing area has been as a part of the three-point shooting defense for Syracuse. So when you've got guys like Wardenberg, Jordan Miller, and Cam McGusty all hovering in the neighborhood of 40, and in the case of Wardenberg, he's north of 40, and he's their tallest guy, this could pose a real problem for Syracuse because those areas are going to be susceptible to three-point shooters, and those are the guys that are going to be shooting the threes for this Miami team. Right. And not even the wing, just the corner. That's been our biggest issue this year. It feels like there, there has been some threes on the wing, but it feels like compared to most years, the corner has been really given up a lot of threes, especially at the start of these games. It's, we said it was a good matchup earlier. The only thing is you can only have such a good matchup against the Syracuse defense right. right now, because there's flaws inside there's flaws outside. So maybe they aren't scoring a ton of their points inside. Although I did see that Their field goal percentage at the rim is still pretty solid, and Syracuse's field goal D at the rim right now is 340th in the country. They're always really low in that category because they give up offensive rebounds and teams get putbacks pretty easily. But three-point percentage for Miami, 89th in the nation, 35%. Like, that's the scary part. If they make double-digit threes, which seems pretty likely the way the zone's been going, and they don't shoot a ton of threes. Like they don't rely on the three as much as other teams have. So I'll be curious how much volume they put up, but they're probably going to make double digit threes in this game. All right, let's get into the prop shop really quick. Um, we'll start with this one. Actually, let's recap last game. You went four and two. So kudos to you. I think that's like three straight winning weeks for you now, or maybe yeah, even more. Maybe. Uh, that's two straight back to back, back to okay. back. You came close. That's, to that's many victories week. for us this year. Yeah, that, that is. Um, and then I went two and four. I continued to stoop down. I think you, you, you're doubling me up in money, albeit we both have negative money, but you're doubling me up to a degree. So, uh, I guess I'm just in double the debt that you are in right now. But anyway, look to rebound here in this one. So Syracuse, the team total 78 and a half. I even teased this in a, in a bet online read yesterday, uh, about maybe look at some team totals with both Syracuse and the opponent here. Let's go 78 and a half as the number here for this game. Where do you sit on Syracuse scoring 78 and a half points? I do think Syracuse will get to 80-85 because Miami's not very good at defending jump shooting teams just based on numbers. And they're 157th in the nation in guarding two-point jumpers, which Syracuse shoots a lot of two-point jumpers. They always have. I, I looked at their hoop math breakdown of where they're getting points. So percentage of shots at the rim for Syracuse, 339th in the country. That's obviously really low. They're not scoring a lot around the rim. Percentage of shots from three, despite them being this quote-unquote three-point shooting team, they're only 176 in the country in terms of how many shots you shoot from three, but they're 39th in two-point jumpers. And that comes down to they're a lot of iso ball and a lot of buddy probably getting to that spot in the two-point range. I would like to see them shoot more at the rim, though, because – 
they always are low in that category, but it feels like this year could be different the way Jesse Edwards has taken yeah. a leap offensively. But I, yeah. I do think they'll go over that number. Yeah, both him and Jimmy. Jimmy's yeah. pretty prolific around the rim, too. I think they will go over that number as well. You know, it's weird. Once you get to ACC play, you rarely see teams with defensive field goal percentages that are worse than a team's offensive field goal percentages, right? But that's the case when you get into this matchup. Like when you look at the effective field goal percentages, which kind of takes into account that three pointers are worth more than two pointers. So it gives a little bit of a bump there. Syracuse sitting at 52.7%. And then Miami's defense, 53.4. That is almost 300th in the country right now out of, what is it? 353 teams, 351 teams, something like in that neighborhood. It, it changes it's every single year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's like 300 in the neighborhood of 350. An ACC team or any power conference team should not be sitting as poorly as Miami is right now, but that's where they are. So I'm with you. I'm going to take the over on the 78 and a half team total points. Who is, or let's go with Joe Girard here over under 14 and a half points for Joe Girard in this game. I do think he bounces back, right? Yeah. Like oh, this, this just feels like, <laughs> I know it's such an easy matchup, smaller guard and Charlie Moore is a decent defender, but I don't know. He's going to get three-point looks. He scored 23 against Miami last year. Buddy also had 23. They're going to score points, so some of it is going to come from Girard. And I guess going off the theme that they should get to the rim more, I was just looking at his individual numbers. He's taking 11% of his shots at the rim right now. Benny is also taking 30% of his shots at the rim. Those two guys, Benny more than Joe, because we know Joe's just not that great at finishing at the rim. But if you're Benny, you need to be taking 50, 60% of your shots at the rim the way you're shooting, I think. So Syracuse as a team just needs to attack more and be aggressive on offense. But I do think Joe gets to like 16, 17 points. Yeah, I think this is a, a three-point matchup made in heaven. And in the case of Gerard, too, like I don't mind if you're taking 11% of your shots at the rim when you're shooting 47% from three either. On a, right. on a high volume uh, of three-point shots as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Joe Girard's over. I think one thing that they can do to really help out Girard in this game, get him in ball screen situations because that's one place where Charlie Moore can get really tangled up is in some of those ball screen situations. And if you give Joe Girard a little bit of space there on the perimeter, you'll be able to help him out and, and make some threes. So let's uh, roll with Joe Girard in the over. Who is going to win the rebounding battle in this game? Syracuse actually won the rebounding battle last week. Where do you sit on this one on Joe Girard and, or on uh, the rebounding battle, Syracuse or Miami? Yeah, I'm always pessimistic about SU's chances of winning these rebounding battles. So despite Miami not really having the stats that support this, I think I'm going to say Miami, the home team, will get more rebounds. I'll go with Syracuse in this game just because I think size-wise, too, you'll be able to exploit some things. I think this could be a nice little game for Jesse and Jimmy and even Cole to get some offensive boards, and that might end up being the difference. And we've seen Syracuse with some of those. like We saw a couple against Virginia where there was like two, three, four offensive rebounds in a possession. And yeah. I think you could do that against this Miami team that is, in terms of uh, defensive rebounding, 315th or uh, uh, defensive rebounding, they are 224th in the country. Their offensive rebounding, they're 315th. So you're not really going to have to worry about them a whole heck of a lot on the offensive boards in this game. All right, we'll save leading score and also our bet online spread and point total. We'll save that coming up next. 
Uh, but first, I do want to tell you about NetSuite because this is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade it to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no times while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for the new year, NetSuite has offered a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Again, that's netsuite.com slash locked. All right, one of our favorite things to do on the prop shop here is pick who is going to lead Syracuse in scoring in this game. We both hit on this one. We we took the free cheese uh, on this one by, by right. taking Buddy Bayheim at plus 110. You, the odds maker, the almighty odds maker on this show, Tim, <laughs> have put a minus in front of his name, and rightfully so. Buddy Bayheim now minus 110 to be the team's leading scorer. Some of the other guys, Joe Girard plus 250, Jimmy Bayheim plus 265, Cole Swatter plus 395, Jesse plus 600. And if you want to go off the board, it is plus 1,000. You're getting some great odds there, but I don't know who you'd even pick. Like, if you were to pick someone off the board to lead the team in scoring, I don't even know who I'd pick. Probably Again. Benny, just because he has the highest ceiling. I mean, yeah, it's I not going to be Samir, Frank, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess the, I don't know. the one case for Frank would be that if Jesse were to foul out or get injured, he's getting the most run out of all those guys. Yeah. Which I maybe. guess you could say the same thing about Samir, if Joe or, or Buddy were to get in a lot of foul trouble or, or get injured. Same thing. Uh, I think it'd be a little bit of a steeper climb for Benny through the rotation. Um, but who knows, um, with all of it. All right. So who are you picking here to lead Syracuse in scoring in this one? So I just don't know what to set buddy's odds at because he's led four straight yeah. games now. So it feels like part of me thinks this is where it stops, but also you, you got to put a minus in front of his name. I think yep. or a minus in front of his number. I think you're hundred percent right. Yeah. I mean, even the Georgetown game he led and that was when he was quote unquote slumping. He still just yeah. gets to his my lock of the year. I was, I, I texted <laughs> right. in our group chat. I think it was me, you and Goody or me, you and Debundo. I can't remember which one it was, but I said, Oh no, lock of the year is in trouble. And then he comes alive in the second half and then right. ends up leading the team in scoring. Yeah. I'm going to go Joe though. I'm just going to try and go for the full Joe Girard bounce back game. And I'll take eggs to the face and from all the Sienna crowd if it doesn't work out. But I, I do think that this is an opportunity for him to make threes. He was five for nine from three last year against Miami. I see him making five or six threes and Bayheim giving an FU in the press conference afterwards, maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on Joe. I was gonna I thought about Cole just from an odds perspective. Like yeah, he gets Even Jesse. I mean, they don't game. have much size. Like maybe yeah. this is the Jesse game. I mean, everyone's sort of a viable option here. The one guy I would say maybe not is Jimmy. Like I would probably confidence level when you factor in the odds and everything, probably Jimmy, but that doesn't mean I think Jimmy's gonna have a bad game. I think everyone's gonna have a pretty yeah. good offensive. Actually, game. that probably means that Jimmy just led the team yeah. in scoring because yeah, I mean that. Jimmy's Jimmy's putting <laughs> up twenty five in this game now. But yeah, no, I'll tell you on Joe here. I, I hate okay. to match up with you on almost everything here, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Joe Gerard here. Um, I just, I'm with you. I think this is the perfect sort of bounce back 
situation for him. So let's ride with Joe Girard to be the team's leading scorer. I, and I hate laying minus money, minus juice on, on mm-hmm. one of these props. I, I can't do it. I can't do it in my heart, Tim. I can't. <laughs> so, all right, let's get to the spread here. BetOnline.ag has it laid out for you at Syracuse plus two in this matchup. Can the Orange cover the two as a dog and get an outright win even in this game? Cash, I just don't know what to pick here. What do you think? I'm you start torn. us off because I have no lean whatsoever. See, this is one of those games where I think all possible outcomes are there's potential for them. I think Syracuse. I think can it's going to be blown. close. I'm, I'm confident it's going to be a close game. Okay, you think it's going to be a close game? Yeah, I just but think when you got both two teams, teams score. Yeah, I just think when you've got two teams that are this good offensively and can score and neither has a good defense, like maybe one defense shows up and then it turns into like an 85 to 60 game. Like I, I could see a world where that happens for one of these teams. You get a flash good defensive game. Miami goes up against the zone and and the pieces aren't fully together. Um, I... I can see all outcomes happening. I can see Syracuse blowing them out. I can see Syracuse winning by seven to 10. I can see Syracuse winning a tight one. I can see Miami having all of those outcomes in their favor as well in this game. Uh, but when you, you give me the plus two, like if this were, a, if you told me I had to take a money line play here, I would probably take Syracuse just because they have a plus. And I think when you've got two teams with all this variability between them, I always opt for the dog in this game. If you're going to give me points, I'll take the points. So I'll roll the Syracuse plus two, but this is not a vote of confidence by me. Yeah, so I'm kind of thinking the same way as you. I feel like Miami's won seven in a row. Syracuse is more urgent. So I like that Syracuse is probably a little bit hungrier going in this matchup. But then also Miami's at home, and I feel like it's a pretty even matchup. So maybe you just lean with the home team. I'll take Syracuse because I'm getting a couple points, and I do think this game goes down to the final couple possessions. I really think that's going to be all these ACC games are going to be close. And I feel like all the, the Miami games fun. are pretty close, too. Yeah. Like, am, I, am I remembering that correctly? I feel like they are relatively close. Well, not last year. Time. We blew them out last year. So Miami, I looked it up, Syracuse 6-4 and four against Miami since they've joined the conference. Okay. The ACC tournament loss was a notable one. I want to say that was 20. It was that the was, year we didn't make the tournament. 27 right? NIT year. So 2016. I thought that was the year. final four year. Or okay, no, that was, so, Pitt. that was Pitt. That was Pitt. That was Pitt. Right. 2017, they went into the ACC tournament probably needing to win, didn't get it against Miami in the first round. I think that was a 60 to 57 right. type of game, something like yeah. that. I looked at it this morning. So that's a notable one. But, and we do play them again in the regular season finale. Right. That could be a mm-hmm. big game for both teams. I mean, Miami is kind of you know, 95 in the net. They're not on the bubble, but if they keep things up, they could be one of those ACC teams. that's trying to be the fourth team or fifth team to make the tournament this year. So Miami still has a lot to play for, but I'll take Syracuse, I guess. And as for the over under, I'm going to take the over. I think one of these teams gets to 90. I'm also pretty torn on this because I do think the zone will slow down the pace and we won't see it be a frenetic pace game, but there's maybe a chance of overtime. So I don't know. I see it playing out kind of like that Indiana game where both teams are scoring. It's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. I'm I'm gonna roll with the over here. Like you're right. This could be a this is an overtime candidate game as well. So uh, I also look. So Syracuse and Miami have 
eight times since Syracuse has joined the ACC. So what is this? This is one, two, three, four, ten five, games, six, seven, ten games. I'll yeah. let you do the math for me. Ten games, eight of them have been by have been single digit games. Okay. So just yeah. kind of shows you how, how close these games really have been um, for both of these two teams uh, time and time again. So, all right, that is going to do it for your Miami preview here. Syracuse, Miami taken on uh, later on today. We will have the full recap uh, podcast for you guys tomorrow. So check that out in your feed. Subscribe to us, YouTube, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and make us your first listen every single weekday. We're with you Monday through Friday on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will recap Miami with all of you guys tomorrow. <laughs>